Hey everyone, welcome back to One Shot at a Time, a Dungeons and Dragon podcast where we take a prompt and turn it into a one shot adventure. I'm your forever dungeon master, Daniel Locke. How often do you actually say Dungeons and Dragons? How often do I actually say Dungeons and Dragons in real life? Very rarely. No, no, no. I meant, I meant in your intro. How often do you actually say D like instead of D and D podcast? Oh no, this is my first time saying it because <laughs> I realized um, last week or no, I realized yesterday that. Some people may not know what D&D is, so I might as well spell it out for you. But it's season four, sir. <laughs> I know it's season four, but what if this is the first episode the listener comes in on? What if they've never experienced it? They just stumbled across one shot at a time because the logo is so good, designed by my good friend uh, Richard's younger brother. And they're like, I want to give this podcast a try. What's a dungeon master? What's D&D? What's DM? You know the rules about working in healthcare. You don't want to use acronyms that people don't know about. Fair. But I think most people nowadays probably watch like Stranger Things. They probably, I mean, D, uh, D&D is more of a, a common name, I every mean, acronym now. Oh, definitely. But just in case, for that one individual out in the middle of Missouri, living on a farm with no whoa, real whoa, technology whoa. Don't, except don't for Spotify. I don't know. I'm just trying it out, too. Okay, you know, okay, see how okay. it feels. Does it roll off the tongue? <laughs> Honestly, a lot of syllables, and I don't quite like it just yet. Maybe you just got to get used to it. Maybe I got to practice it a few more times. You know, we'll see by the end of the season if it sticks. If not, we'll go back to D&D, Andrew. Don't worry. We'll take it easy. Okay. Oh, but it's, thank you for introducing me. Did I introduce you? <laughs> you just oh, said yeah, it. I did say your name. <laughs> All right. Well, do you, would you like to introduce yourself, Andrew? Who are you? Where are you from? No, I'm not going to get State your business. <laughs> <laughs> Docs like Missouri. Go. Why would I get doxxed? <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. So, what? Now that we're done doxing people, how's your day been, Andrew? How's life? Uh, busy. Just work. Just, just a lot of work. But I get to play D and D today, so that's that's what's important. All right, you get to jump back into your long form D and D campaign. One of the many campaigns you're in. I think you're in like five or six. No, not that many. I can count, though. Let's see here. I'm in one, two, three, four. What the fuck is this? <laughs> what is this fourth campaign out of nowhere? Yeah, I was like, this is like, this is this is a new one. What is this? Spelljammer? Oh, you're probably thinking of a new one. Okay, so I'm probably going to be one, two, uh, you're, you know, five. No, no, four, 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 four. Okay, <laughs> so that's quite a bit. Dang, if you're going to get in a new one and you want to grace your forever dungeon master with the game, you know, hit me with that invite. Just saying, not putting it out there in front of the worldwide audience to emphasize the need of, you know, supporting your dungeon master. But <laughs> No, I'll ask him. I'll ask my, my DM for sure. Uh, I'll see whether or not if that's something he plans on doing. Because I was looking at that. I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> Damn, four campaigns or three camp, three to four campaigns, essentially. The fourth one maybe is happening. That's quite a lot as like an individual. How do you like as a player juggle like three different campaigns? Like I can't imagine doing it as a dungeon master, but Oh, that's because my DM is doing all four. <laughs> if if I had to run four different people or if I had to if I had to go by four different other people, like, hey, I can't do it this day because because I have another D D campaign. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So much scheduling conflicts for sure. Yeah. Oh man. But it's also we have like most of the people, and it's pretty consistent anyway, so I don't know why we just don't run them in a full campaign, but I guess my, my DM does a lot of modules, so. Yeah, I'm personally not a big module runner as a dungeon master, but I hear it's like it's a very different experience from just kind of creating and homebrewing your own worlds, because everything's in front of you, but there's also the stress of keeping it within the storyline so you don't break anything, which is a wild concept to think of, because I just like to improvise a lot of my works on the spot sometimes and then like adjust as I need to. Well, see, that, that's the thing, though. People think that by running a module, you have to be restrained to the confines of the module. But you're supposed to just use the module as, as, a, as a rough guide, essentially. A so, rough guide. Yeah, so you have... An inspiration. Yeah. Almost like a prompt for an adventure. Yeah, like, like a regular D&D campaign. Yeah, no, that's true. Modules are just like any of the Wizard of the Coast like pre-written books are just kind of there to give you inspiration to make your own storyline. And if you want to play Curse of Strahd the exact way through, like as written, um, they do have adventurers leagues that exist throughout all of the uh, states of America. 
I don't know why I said it that way. <laughs> Anyways, if you want to follow it by the book, go play in an Adventures League. If you're playing at home, people are probably going to hard pivot once in a while just because it's tough to have everything memorized on the spot. Uh, I mean, we don't even do that. Oh, yeah? Does your DM do, like, a lot of hard pivots sometimes or create his own storylines within, like, his modules that he plays? No, I don't think so. I think he actually focuses more on, like, the actual story of the full module. So uh, not too many pivots, but at the same time, I'm, I want to just figure out how the story ends. Mm, the hardest pivot that he does is he just kills your dog over and whoa, over whoa. again. Okay, it's not my dog, okay? But <laughs> at the same time, yes, yes, he does. Just over and over and the cycle. And the cycle continues as he just comes back and kills one of your player's dogs, who we'll say is somewhat also your dog, because he's in the party in that way. Uh, true, 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 true. But except now the dog that we currently have is a dick, so, I mean, mm. it's like follower of straw now, and we're just like, <laughs> okay, well, clearly you want this thing to happen, and we know you're a dick, so no, <laughs> we're not following your why... news. <laughs> and that's why you never finished the straw campaign. Hey, we're, it'll happen eventually. All right, well, I look forward to hearing how that storyline ends. Outside of that, recently... I was at TayoCon yesterday, so thank you all who are new listeners for joining us from TayoCon. We really appreciate you for being there, or I really appreciate you for being there, uh, being in the audience and asking questions and just uh, showing interest in playing Dungeons & Dragons, being a dungeon master, or being a player. This episode, in response to what we presented at TayoCon, I built a one-shot adventure around the episode Hookie for SpongeBob. So how does that go then? Since I was also not at TayoCon. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, technically, <laughs> Andrew was not there. And that's why there was a long, there was a break there. I would say that we'll make a new episode based off the episode Hookie from SpongeBob today. That way we can have a full written printout for the audience. And then we can see how that compared to what I made in front of like 20 or 30 people in the audience. I think it was actually more than that, which was pretty wild. Wait, so you're saying it's like Tayokan again, except I'm the audience. In a way, but you're going to be participating way more. Because oh, if okay. I'm talking to just you, it's going to get kind of awkward. <laughs> just saying, okay? All right. Uh, let's get take it away with the episodes. So the prompt today is going to be the episode Hooky from SpongeBob. For all of those who remember back in the day when we watched SpongeBob SquarePants. I did have you watch the episode beforehand, Andrew. So uh, what were the key takeaways that you remember from this episode? Um, Patrick's an idiot. Okay, fine. That's generally consistent throughout most of SpongeBob. <laughs> SpongeBob is a big influencer, uh, or gets influenced. a big influencer. Yeah, he's on Instagram and Twitter yeah, and everyone. Yeah, he's blowing yeah, up doing yeah. those hot takes. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Crab is um as a news spreader. <laughs> yeah, he's like the town yeller in this yeah. episode for sure. Yelling about the hooks are ever returned. They've returned. And um, Squidward is a. Uh... Yeah, I got nothing on that. Okay. So, like, I guess the best way to break it down, or at least my approach when I'm building references from either episodes of TV shows or from other modules even, like from D&D Adventures, is to figure out what are the main plot points that exist. So the episode is called Hooky, and the story Hook, essentially, is that SpongeBob finds these hooks that exist in Bikini Bottom because fishermen have reappeared, which is actually a really funny part of the episode in the beginning there's a bunch of fisher boats on top of like the isle near the island area of the episode of spongebob and they're just fishing i don't know why it's a very funny visual comedy gag for me uh me explaining it probably makes it very worse i mean it's not that bad you know like especially because it's like it's like old style people's like it's like a vhs kind of thing where people are just trying to fish and then they they don't (laughs) get their shit yeah it's like funnily static too like, I know the episode a lot because I've done this episode so many times, but why don't you explain or, like, give a quick synopsis on the episode of Hooky for us, Andrew, since you just watched it. Okay. I think it starts off in the Krusty Krab where Mr. Krab's just running as if he's, like, like the town gossip or, like, some crazy lunatics, you know, saying something closer to, like, Paul Revere saying, like, the British are coming kind of kind of thing. <laughs> but, yeah. but instead it's like, the fish are, or the hooks are back. And then SpongeBob's like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> And then... What's a hook? Exactly. It's like they don't have hooks in Bikini Bottom, which is really weird to think about. True. But I feel like... Actually, 
do they? It's been a while since I've seen like early SpongeBob. Is this like the first? I mean, time they have they, anchors and stuff. Yeah. So like, they gotta have hooks or something, right? Or at least part. An anchor is essentially two hooks too. So. Uh, I mean, yes, but I mean, anchor also has a, a large density in order to make sure that it can, you know, be able to. All right, science guy. <laughs> I guess if you're talking about like a giant fish eating a hook, I guess maybe. Yeah, we see those in movies all the time. Like clearly, that's real, right? Like a, you use a anchor to fish giant enemies and okay, out fair. of the water and fight them. You've seen Futurama. What did oh, he use? Fair. He used okay. a, actually, he used an umbrella yeah. and bent it into yeah. a hook. That's what Bender did. But anyways, maybe we'll do that into an episode. Two. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so then it goes into then um, a SpongeBob learning the perils of. Or to avoid the dangers of the hook. Only for uh, his best friend, Patrick, to be all like, Spongebob, the carnival's here. And then he's like, what? The carnival? And then Spongebob and Patrick end up venturing down to the hooks or the carnival only to realize that there's Mm -hmm. hooks. And then Spongebob's like, wait a second. So uh, he goes to the carnival. He sees the hooks and watches Patrick ride them, and then what? He joins them, right? Yeah, yeah, just going like riding them like a was it like a bull or whatever the fuck that they were doing on on one of those. It was like a it's like a horse or yeah, some some mount. He mounts it. He mounts each hook, rides at the top, and jumps down essentially with their big poofy pants. And because it's water, gravity doesn't not like gravity doesn't exist, but it's not as heavy as it would be above ground. Yes. So I was watching this, and I'm like, however we wanted to make a one-shot out of this. <laughs> well, I mean, that's not the entire storyline either, oh, right? True. Because as the story goes on, what happens is Mr. Krabs finds out that he's been playing with the hooks, which he specifically told him not to do, all right? And he's mad at him. So SpongeBob goes and is like, okay, I'm never going to play with hooks again, and tells Patrick I'm never going to do it again. But he decides to do it one more time, and then he gets caught. Right. And he gets caught on the hook, and then he has to give up his pants and I think his underwear yes. to get out of the hook. Or I think he, I think he tries. Doesn't he like try to like run away after realizing his his underwear is also connected? Mm-hmm. And then when it when he gets reeled in, they just like rip off. Like if, I think at the Krusty Krab too, which is yeah. weird. And then it turns out it's like Squidward who was running the fishing line, which physics wise doesn't make sense how it all worked out. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. we're talking about SpongeBob here. Are we really concerned about physics? For sure, for sure. And then at the end, it wraps up with Patrick turning into a tuna can. Oh yeah, the dangers of the of the hook, which is crazy because like after watching this episode a couple weeks ago, just to refresh my memory before TaioCon, I got a YouTube recommendation for Hooky on how this episode of SpongeBob is like an allegory to addiction, like drug addiction. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I was like, wait, what? And like. This is the thing with YouTube when people do like very deep dives in episodes. I'm just like, I don't know if this is true, but it sounds really realistic when your video essay explains it in such detail about like how addiction feels and like what it's like to go through an addiction process. And I'm like, but at the same time, this is still a children's show written in the 90s. So who knows, right? Well, if you're talking about like background stuff like that, uh, almost every 90s cartoon has some dark storyline connected to it in a way or some sort of hidden message based off the plot point are you are you talking about like stuff like where people are saying like oh ed ed and eddie is actually a bunch of kids who died and are in limbo playing in a cul-de-sac with no parents kind of thing uh i mean if you were talking about like the overall story maybe but it's like i was talking more of like each individual episode kind of has like a story they kind of want to tell like that's related to some sort of like life lesson but oh okay that is also true, though. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, I hear a lot of those, like, theories. But did you have, like, a specific one that rem- you remember very uh, very vividly? Was there a specific episode like that? Um, no, not really. I mean, I guess uh, one of the one of the things that you could do is, like, Pokemon, where they think that Ash is actually, like, dead, which is why he's still 10 years old. Yeah, but he did eventually win his championship and earn his right into heaven, right? Is that how that works? maybe (laughs) maybe that's what he did in order to feel as though he accomplished something in life and then that now he's able to rest in peace i don't know yeah that that was his dante's inferno that's probably not the right reference either but he completed his quest line okay all right (laughs) i I just thought of one but like rugrats rugrats okay yeah 
because like i think it's supposed to be like angelica's like crazy or some some shit like that and her like bipolar tendencies which is why she's able to understand what like the uh the babies are actually saying or communicating and, oh. and like uh the representation of like tommy and and chucky yeah. and the twins yeah oh i think i did remember hearing about this particular take as well or theory okay like where like she's having like a mental disorder and these like different aspects of that mental disorder taking like form Mm -hmm. in like her mind mental space yeah but i don't don't remember like the full thing i just remember that being like a like the rograts take on like psychosis and stuff like that for sure like the internet has some pretty crazy like hyper analysis of your old 90s cartoon shows so if you're ever bored and curious like what you thought dexter laboratory was really about or someone thought dexter laboratory was really about Give it a read. It's probably like a big blur on Reddit or 4chan somewhere. Oh, that just sounds like a deep dive into a very depressing... <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah, uh, back to the episode we're building, uh, which is Hooky. Um, I think you were voicing that your primary concern with this episode is it doesn't really run parallel to like a D&D high fantasy adventure based off the storylines or anything like that. So uh, the way I approach it is when I'm pulling references from stories that are very far away from like D, I have to figure out like number one what kind of one shot am i making here for the players to go through so with hooky it's a pretty basic premise where you can pull out the hook the obstacle and a resolution just based off of this 12 minute episode so the hook for the episode is spongebob essentially is warned about these hooks that exist in bikini bottom and they're dangerous and what happens is he gets hooked okay and for me like when building an adventure that's a great prompt that's a great hook to start with like i know i'm saying hook a lot which is gonna be really annoying maybe count the number of hooks i do okay so that's what you're gonna do in post and (laughs) there you go no no we'll let the audience follow along as like part of the new year's game every time i say hook you can take a shot drink a (laughs) a shot of a uh, age-appropriate beverage thought you put an explicit tag on this it is explicit, but I also don't want people to die if I say hook like 10,000 times today. But yeah, so like, essentially that's the hook, right? Like, that's the that's the starting point for the adventure. Like, you tell your party, your friend Spongebob has been kidnapped by something uh, that some weird metallic uh, curved monsters in Bikini Bottom. And if you didn't want to do Bikini Bottom, let's say you're doing it for a high fantasy adventure, you can change up the names, okay? Uh, like you can say that they arrived in the town of Bottoms Run, okay? <laughs> okay. And their friend Bob, their close friend Bob, the local chef, has gone missing. Last seen around Jellyfish Fields, and he works. And his employer Eugene is frantic to get him back. Eugene provides some information around the town, stating that we've recently have a resurgence of these weird metal curve monsters within the local area, and I've warned my fry cook bob to be wary of these things and not to get close but his curiosity must have gotten the best of him and that's a that's a clear adventure hook for most parties that is very high fantasy wouldn't you say yeah i uh, yeah that's a good point except in high fantasy oh no never mind i was gonna say why would you be a cook but never mind yeah like like why would an adventuring party and the players be a cook i don't know i like cooking food all the time so i like bringing that into my character background but i mean cooks exist inside a high fantasy world oh, no, like medieval sure. times yeah. yeah like they'll probably work at a tavern and it's a small town so it's reasonable okay? okay it's very believable on top of that when you're building one shot adventures specifically you want to get the players straight into the action you don't want to have a lot of fluff in the way to like stall time so you wouldn't start them off like you just made it to bottom run go ahead and explore the local area you'd be like oh you've been in bottom run for the past month you've made friends with the local tavern owner and his fry cook and he has gone missing. So he's your friend. So there's some incentive there. Eugene may be willing to pay you guys to do it. He might be a cheap ass. <laughs> As Mr. Krabs is. <laughs> As Mr. Krabs is. Yeah, he's a cheap ass. And he's like, I'll offer you 10 copper pieces to save my chef. And then he's like, well, no, wait, five copper pieces. And that's like a fun NPC that you can build just pulling straight from this episode of SpongeBob. Wait, so question. What if as a as a group dynamic, you're like, no, nah, fuck it. I'm not doing that for five. Yeah, you can negotiate with him for sure. Like, you can actually implement persuasion checks if you want the players to do role-playing and stuff. You can even have them have uh, a solid argument available for them or 
if they don't want to do it for five copper pieces and they just want to do it for the goodness of their heart, they can do it too. What if they don't want to do it? <laughs> if they don't want to do it, that's kind of just the zero session that you're working on, right? Like you present oh, the game okay. to them. And if they say they don't want to play it, well, okay, then you guys won't play it. And that's fair enough as it is. Like not everyone wants to play every adventure you put in front of them. Like if someone put Call of Duty Zombies in front of me and was like, this is going to be an eight hour slog fest. I'm mean, like, maybe not eight hours for me, maybe four at best. And if they want to do eight hours for sure, I'm like maybe I don't want to play. Sorry. It's okay. Are you trying to say you would not play last week's episode? I would play last week's episode if it was four hours long. If it was eight hours long, I would blow my brains out because I would be so tired. <laughs> Last time we we did that one shot, it was like eight hours. We, we Yo, my out. face was melting at that point, okay? <laughs> like, we played for so long, and I felt bad because I was like, oh, I was like, I really messed up the time management on that one. And <laughs> hey, your forever dungeon master makes mistakes too. Things happen. It's okay. But you live and you learn. But going for a very long session definitely makes my creative juices start draining out pretty fast. And when we're doing combat, that's also part of it too. Like, I have to think very, like, as strategically as I can as a player, and I try to impart, like, role-playing into it. Though I don't really get to play that often, so I haven't really pushed the limit of that. But, I mean, just to circle back to the uh, original statement, it's just that, like, if people don't want to play the one-shot adventure you put in front of them, that's fine. That's why you have zero sessions and let them know exactly what they're going into. And then if the cost tends to be something that they have an issue with, let them have a role-play segment with it, like, in the zero session or before the adventure. But to make sure the one-shot hits a good time management level and you finish before between four hours so Daniel doesn't lose his mind, you can essentially just have them accept the quest and just start the adventure. Or don't give them a choice. Just say they accepted it and they went. <laughs> and then don't tell them how much the reward is until the very end. And maybe that's a fun uh, okay, role okay. play thing with Mr. Eugene, Crab Man. Okay. Alright. So you get the quest to uh find or to help Eugene find his fry cook. Mm-hmm. How do we know where to go again? You said, I guess uh, it's more well known that the uh, the hooks are in a specific area like Jellyfish Field. Yeah, exactly. So similar to how the episode of SpongeBob is, like Mr. Krabs clearly knows where SpongeBob is and where these hooks are because he knows where he saw them. So Mr. Krabs will probably give the information, or in this case, our NPC, Eugene, will give the players the information on where it's located. Maybe he has some secret info that he didn't tell you about. Like, if you wanted to spice it up and be like, oh, you want to pull more information out of Mr. Eugene, then you might be able to bribe him to give you more info on, like, what you might be dealing with, these hook monsters that exist inside Jellyfish Field. That could give you a role-playing obstacle that you have to deal with that your players might want to do. If they don't, no worries. They can just start moving towards the f- next area where they'll have the, the combat encounter. Okay, so we're, we're supposed to, like, fight the hooks? There's two ways to go about it, right? You can either follow it per the episode and SpongeBob's being pulled to the sky, and you have to go through a puzzle obstacle on how to unhook his pants to keep him from being <laughs> okay. pulled into the sky, which maybe just stripping him is the solution, just like the episode, okay? Okay. But this is also where we can take our creative liberties as creators and writers and module creators and other tags for us whatever you want to use wait so are we also using the theme that we're underwater so this is all underwater combat you can you don't have to though like to be fair spongebob doesn't really follow the physics of being underwater that's because he's a sponge (laughs) he is a sponge but they also set a campfire underwater once which was bizarre also true and Sandy Cheeks moves underwater with no problem. So I'm going to say that. You, you see the fact she's in the suit? She made a air dome? Okay, fair. But she also can just put a fishbowl on her head and breathe perfectly fine. So if we're going to discuss the physics of Bikini Bottom, we're going to have a lot of problems. You know what? Let's. Okay, so what is the biggest <laughs> physics issue in Bikini Bottom? Okay, besides just being able to set fire uh, underwater... Oh, okay. That's number one. Whoa, okay. So technically, depending on the, on the material that you're using, there are ways for you to actually set a flame underwater. Oh, my God. All right. But they were using sticks. Like, legitimately, just like what tr- if, uh, what coral if, branches. What if these particular sticks were actual just compounds of the specific combustible material? Granted, you don't have an oxygen, you know, what were they of? Oxygen? No. Well, yeah, true. But like uh, a spark flint? No, uh, God is himself to smite the fire <laughs> into his existence. Whatever, I can't think of. I can't think of a word. <laughs> it's it's early. 
What were we talking about again? Uh, <laughs> physics of SpongeBob and Bikini Bottom. And oh how yeah, shit works. Yeah. So I mean, would that be your biggest complaint? Or would phys- that be my biggest complaint? It's definitely one of them for sure. Okay. I mean, the other complaint is the fact that they have like planes. They have bubble people that exist. They use oh yeah boats. they did have that episode yeah it's like it's been a minute since I watched yeah like literally that. Bikini Bottom is a fantasy world let's be honest okay, okay what if we're talking about instead of not just bubble people but maybe SpongeBob has some sort of mental illness that's causing him to hallucinate a bu- uh, a <laughs> bubble with personality. Okay, that would be believable if everyone didn't react to him the same freaking way when he started walking away. But that's only in the perspective of of SpongeBob. What if it was just through SpongeBob's eyes that we're looking through that? Could be, but that would indicate that the entire episode was just like a, a crazy dream sequence. And Bubble Buddy, to be fair, does show up again in other games like Bikini Bottom and stuff and is referenced to. Good point. Okay, Just fine, saying. fine, fine. All right. I think we've spent enough time debating the realism of Bikini Bottom and no, the possibilities enough. of how their physics works. <laughs> okay, okay, but Patrick lives under a rock. Okay, no. I mean, do you starfish live under rocks? That's a good so. question. Also, did you know that it's not a rock? I learned this the other day. The rock that Patrick lives under is actually a turtle shell that's really dirty. Wait, what? Is that like, yes. Was that like defined or how, how the fuck do you know that? <laughs> It's a recent, like, season episode, I think, or, like, a few seasons back. So, what, a turtle comes by and takes the shell? Wait, actually. He lives inside the shell. He was just sleeping. Oh, so he just gets evicted from his house? (laughs) Yeah, so what happens is the turtle wakes up, or maybe it's, like, a snail or something, and it's like, what the hell? Who's making all this noise under me? Oh, there's a guy living under me. I'm going to move, and I don't want to deal with you anymore. And then Patrick loses home. Uh, And I think that's how the episode starts. Interesting. Okay. So anyway, let's uh outside the giant SpongeBob tangent, let's go back into the specific SpongeBob episode. <laughs> yeah, to do another SpongeBob tangent that we were working on. Okay. I mean we've essentially developed the hook already, right? Like it's a very clear hook that we can pull from the episode to yeah. work with. SpongeBob has gone missing. Your goal as the party is to save him and figure out why. You already know where he's gone because of one, it's a one shot, so you don't have to do as much like mystery solving and like discovery. You can definitely implement that as an obstacle where you have to gather info and intel. That's fine, but you have to consider that within your time frame for running the adventure. The next part is that knowing where it is, you can also add in an element where you're talking to Mr. Krabs to gather information on what has captured SpongeBob. So you have like at least a clue on what you have to deal with. But either way, you know, SpongeBob is in Jellyfish Fields, which I don't think that's where the episode is, but we'll just say that's where it is. Or you can call it the Carnival if you wanted to play it into. I think the Carnival would be a nicer theme, especially if okay. you wanted to do other shit with like ah. an actual Carnival type thing. That's fair. So, um, in our our one shot adventure that we are developing, it'll be called the Carnival, and you have to go there to save SpongeBob, who's gone missing. Okay, and that's your entire adventure hook. Um, now we're developing the next obstacle. Essentially, SpongeBob has been hooked, all right? He has this metal hook in his pants from the episode. How do we turn that with our creative liberties into a D&D adventure that the players can have to deal with? Like I said earlier, a puzzle is a great way to start off. You could be like, the puzzle is you have to unhook his pants and save him. And following specifically how the episode goes, you could have to just strip SpongeBob and pull off all his clothes, and boom. That's how you save SpongeBob from the hook. Then you can take him home, that's the resolution, and the story ends there. Honestly, really great adventure campaign too, okay? It's a quick one-shot. It probably wouldn't even take that long if the players can figure it out, although it is a puzzle, so if they don't understand what they're supposed to do, it may be hard. Or you just turn the hook into a giant silver, like, basilisk that's and then uses its tail to, to now grab onto SpongeBob, and now you have a battle coming. Yeah, it could, exactly. You could easily spin it into a battle encounter, where there's this creature who's holding Spongebob hostage, and if you kill the creature, you save Spongebob, right? And maybe the creature uses the carnival as, like, a disguise to bait in unwieldy mortals to their doom. And that is a very fantasy-esque enemy, if I ever heard one. (laughs) Uh, Other ways you could do it, too, is you can spice up the adventure where it's like, oh, maybe Spongebob is captured by a demon at this carnival. Uh, Because there is actually a specific... Uh, hook uh, well there's an enemy called a hook horror that exists but i don't think that's the one i'm thinking of i'm thinking about the chain devil i don't even know what that is what is a chain devil 
Yeah, so a chained devil is a D&D monster that's officially in the monster manual. The way it works is that he controls these chains as part of his, like, I guess gimmick. And these chains goes and binds people and wraps them up. So instead of saying chains, maybe they're hooks. Okay, and they hook enemies similar to like Dead by Daylight or something. And your goal is to defeat the devil and save SpongeBob. But at the same time, SpongeBob's being dragged to hell. So you're saying it's like fighting against the Roadhog. Yes, it's like fighting against Roadhog, essentially. And the Chain Devil has like, if you want to use the stat block as is, hey, go for it. But if you want to implement Roadhog-esque abilities. All right, where- Overwatch is now in SpongeBob, guys. Okay. There you go. All right. You know you know how busted Hook 1.0 was? All right, that's, that's coming back, guys. That hitbox was stupid, to be fair. <laughs> but now nobody plays Roadhog, so who gives a fuck? Uh, I mean, yes and no. Because Wait, okay. They Please explain your- the meta of one Overwatch for me. Uh, well, over what, Overwatch 1 or 2? Fuck, you're right, there's two. <laughs> Alright, just explain Roadhog to me. What happened to Roadhog? Explain his patch updates. Okay, so, there's, there's. I mean, I don't play too much Overwatch since I've been playing a lot of Valorant, but... Um, Would you say Valorant is better than Overwatch? Uh, Are you going to make that hot take? Are you going to make that stand right here, Andrew? One, I don't know if it's that much of a hot take. Uh, it's. I mean, they're, <laughs> they're different games, so I can't really say. Would you say Overwatch is essentially the new Team Fortress 2? Yeah, I mean, that's how it was pretty much perceived when it was originally like released, right? Yeah, that was my thought about it. So, I mean, granted, you don't have the same uh, economy stuff like with all the hat system and all that in like TF2. But mm-hmm. uh, gameplay-wise, I mean, you still have your push, you still have your uh, 2CP, you know, all those maps. But yeah, no. Uh, anyway, Overwatch Roadhog. 2. Roadhog. Roadhog. Granted, I think a lot of the the stuff that they're trying to do, especially with the tanks, is that they're trying to make them more into uh, a oh, like a brawler type kind of thing. Okay. So like, I think they're like as a tank, you provide less uh, ult charge for anyone that hits you. Hmm. Okay. So I mean, the only caveat is I think Sorgen is still like super OP. So because of that, Roadhog is such an easy target to hit to build up <laughs> uh, to build up for railgun charge. So okay. That might be like the only caveat, which why maybe Roadhog isn't played as much. But if they don't have a sword journey, that's I guess yeah. I mean, they also shrunk his hook hitbox too, if I remember correctly. I mean, yeah, but it's not. I mean, if okay, if you're comparing it to like early Overwatch, then yes, any, <laughs> yeah, they definitely tweaked a lot of the characters. Though Torbjorn was also busted out of his mind for a little bit, but that's just because people didn't know how to deal with him. I think that was just mainly on console, like PC. Torbjorn was never really an issue. Yeah, that's true. Us console players just just can't keep up, clearly. Wait, did you play Overwatch on console? I played on both. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, because I think that and uh, because the turret and all that, people just couldn't hit it. Yeah, all I remember from early Overwatch was that McCree's Fan the Hammer was really fun to use because it, like, essentially was a shotgun. Like, it felt like two Model 1911s from Modern Warfare 2. And you could just like fan the hammer, and just kill people from like a mile away. Sometimes, I mean, that's the same thing with Hanzo, right? His his arrows were like logs. Yeah, they're massive. Like they they made the hitboxes so big for some reason. <laughs> I think because of it was supposed to be possible also for console. But anyways, all right. Um, if you wanted to implement any aspects of Roadhog the character into your enemy sheet, you can. Like it's one chain devil. It's a pretty high CR, so you probably have to up your players to be like I think it's like level. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it's Roadhog. And then what you do is you also now incorporate other Overwatch characters because now that we already did that, uh, so now we have like a Genji, maybe a Mercy. <laughs> yeah, you definitely, you, you could have a full group of them uh, fighting against you if that's what you wanted to do. Sorry, just looked this up really quick. Monster Manual, page 72. Just found it. It's Channel Rating 8 overall. Like, if you wanted it, just use it from the book. It's actually not a bad enemy to use it's pretty straightforward it has multi-attack it has a chain attack that hits people that also grapples them which makes sense and then it can animate some chains to use to attack enemies up to four other than that it can do like some kind of frighten like ability called unnerving mask and again these are all like fun abilities you can use you can even add in like legendary actions if you want to make them a bit more spicy so maybe he can hook people in and pull them in or he can heal or after like a certain health thresh point like halfway down his health he gets a super move where he can just, like, hit everyone for, like, two attacks really quickly. 
so this is Roadhog. Yeah, like if we just built Roadhog, yeah. We could have just built Roadhog too for this. And that's the nice thing about D&D is like, yeah, we're taking inspiration from SpongeBob, but not everything has to come from SpongeBob. We can also add in stuff from Overwatch or whatever game or TV show you're looking at. Maybe Valorant has a cool chain-like enemy or friend, agent, whatever fucking word they use for heroes now. And that will be something you want to implement too. So you do that, right? And now... If you actually do use Roadhog, that means that uh, at the end of the campaign, cr- uh, the Crusted Crab is now serving pork loins. Or pork oh, burgers. God. Oh, God. <laughs> That's You do know Roadhog isn't actually a pig, right? He's actually a human being. I mean, true, I think. <laughs> human loins, and now we realize this town is a cannibal. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But that's, that's assuming that Spongebob and... Pre- Mr. Krabs is human. Okay, yo, do you remember... <laughs> okay, so, like, speaking on this, like, this is gonna get a little gory, and I don't recommend people uh, read this comic, because it's actually, a, like, a deep cosmic horror kind of feeling one, but uh, there's a Spongebob comic, I think, called Into the Simulation, which I've mentioned maybe once before on this podcast, or I think Into the Simulation is the one who makes it, but it's under the premise that Patrick goes berserk after eating a uncooked Krabby Patty, and he realizes that the Krabby Patties are actually made out of starfish, like pieces oh. of starfish, because they can, because starfish can regenerate their bodies. Right. So there's like a starfish trapped underneath the crusty crab, and it's being harvested for Krabby Patties. And does SpongeBob know this? So that's part of the plot, okay? But SpongeBob dies pretty early on, essentially. It's in my opinion, it's a pretty damn good read. I'm not good into horror. But it's, I love it's like a weird. It's, okay, it's yeah. so funny. Wait, yeah, so I'll send it to you later. Send this to me, right? Okay, <laughs> I'll send it to you. Yeah, but it's it's a good read and it's such a weird concept. But essentially, yeah, Krabby Patties are made from Patrick, and I was like, whoa! But it's like a fan comic. It's not actually real. Well, I would assume so. Otherwise, yeah. a lot of people that watch SpongeBob is going to be very uh, <laughs> terrified. Though there was that one episode where Plankton was trying to steal the secret recipe, and he thought that oh, the secret it was, actually, yeah. was Plankton. Uh, yeah. But it was. It but could it, be. It, it could be. No, but didn't they say it was like a gag? It's like, ah, he'll figure it out. Yeah, and come back again. Though, like, realistically, why wouldn't it be Plankton? That is a very common thing fish eat all yeah, the maybe time. maybe algae. Yeah, algae or something. But, like, Plankton, too. Like, whales eat Plankton. True. Yeah. Oh, so. But, um, yeah, let's not make human meat... <laughs> Unless, like, all your adventures are not human, but, and they're okay with it, but that's probably something you want to let them know during the Zero Session, just to see if everyone's okay with eating people. I'm okay, but how often does someone actually play as a human? Uh, depends. How basic is your group? <laughs> okay, but I've never had anyone just play <laughs> as a human. Oh, okay. For me, personally, I've ran for a lot of people who play humans, but it's before they had the, like, I think... Mordenkainen's Tome into the Multiverse release where they had all the variant, like you could have like a variant race and like they can adjust their stats on the fly just because humans gave you like an extra plus one stat or a feat. So like oh, at, from a build standpoint, it was very strong and it had a lot more flexibility but from like a storytelling aspect, it's it can be a little basic but there's stories to tell for sure, right? Okay. Yep. Fine, Anyways, fine, like fine. even if you weren't gonna play a human, would you really want to be eating people? It's like a little bit like Okay, but people don't need to know Roadhog is a person. They can just think it's a pig. That's true, too. It could just be a pig enemy, too, right? Exactly. Like, you created this pig enemy, and it's, like, a monstrous pig who's gained sentience and now is, like, on revenge against the local population for eating him. So that could be a fun take, too. Like, for everyone listening, you can kind of see how you can kind of spin the storyline that we took from the episode Hooky and turn it into, like, different themes and use different obstacles in place. Like, there could be a combat encounter for saving SpongeBob. It could be a puzzle encounter for saving SpongeBob. Hell, it could just be a roleplay where you have to convince the pig to let him go instead and eat something else. Like, there's so many takes you can do in this. And that's what kind of makes creating your own one-shot adventure fun and a little bit more flexible for you. Okay, so now we have our big bad, which is Roadhog. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have our intro where now we have to go investigate said uh, carnival. Mm-hmm. So what exactly happened in the carnival? You said a puzzle, but what kind of puzzle are we dealing with? So the puzzle I was saying was the example of like you find SpongeBob and he's hooked, right? Right. And you have to unhook him. 
So how do you unhook him? Unhooking him is the puzzle. It's up to the players to figure out how do you unhook SpongeBob. Well, in the show, the way he does it is he strips off all his clothes, and that's the secret. He has to become naked, okay? But you can add in more levels of death. Maybe there's, like, a chain locked around him, and you need to find the secret passcode to open it, okay? And it's a five-letter word, and you can only try one word at a time, and if you get the right, right word, it turns green, or right letter in the right place, it turns green. But if it's in the wrong place, it's in it turns yellow Wordle. or it's the wrong letter. Yeah, we're just playing Wordle now. Yeah. <laughs> See, like again, you can just implement your own types of puzzles wherever you want, and it, the level of difficulty can be adjusted. And it could just be Wordle, okay? And maybe the secret is maybe this you figure out what five letter word you want to use that ties into the storyline you're telling, okay? If it's about pigs, maybe it's about maybe the word is meat uh, meats. Maybe it's about greed, because Mr. Krabs is too greedy and this pig devil has a vendetta against Mr. Krabs, then it could be greed or whatever word you want to put. Maybe it's recipe, even though it's not five letters, but now we're getting deeper into what the actual uh, secret ingredient is. Or maybe it's secret. Yeah, it could be secret. Yeah, that could be the word. And then this is how we find out what the secret ingredient to the uh, to the Krabby Patty is, because it's actually, even though Eugene gave us the uh, the mission essentially or task <laughs> to find yes. his cook but then we realize that the hooks themselves are actually the components of uh unlocking the actual secret ingredient to the Krabby Patty which is fish Exa- people <laughs> exactly oh my god so they're just eating themselves okay we're doing we're doing this again um love it why not uh but yeah exactly now you have like more things that you can give Eugene to talk about if you wanted to make him a role play segment so maybe now you can notice do an inside check on him and find out like oh he seems to be hiding something and not telling you everything. Yes, he does want you to save uh, Mr. Bob the cook, but he's hiding something else and he's not telling you. And maybe this will give you more insight into the enemies you're fighting or what's actually going on here. And maybe there's more levels of depth to this one shot than just particularly constructed. Wait, so does that mean Mr. Cook is actually the end, uh, the big baddie at the end? Uh, <laughs> it depends. Like, If you wanted to make Bob the big baddie, you could. He could just be like a unknowing bystander who just works like you know maybe he just makes the food but he doesn't know where the meat comes from right but he is the unjust target of this evil of this creature's malice okay all right so again like uh, tons of ways you can spin this one shot definitely let your players know what they're going into but just from watching an episode and breaking down like oh what is the primary hook of the episode okay what's the what's the premise or the problem that the characters have to deal with figuring out the conflict that exists in the episode, and then figuring out how they resolve. And the resolution from the episode is SpongeBob essentially, one, gets exposed as an exhibitionist in front of, like, Mr. Crab and his da- and his daughter, which was a very weird ending. Which makes sense, because she's also a whale. Uh, uh, plank- okay, I'm sorry. <gasps> yeah, callbacks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's one way you can end it, for sure. Like, Mr. Bob learns his lessons to never go to a carnival, all right? And then the players get rewarded with some money, some gold, or, you know, some free food at the restaurant, whatever you want to do. The other option is, like, maybe you create your own resolution. Maybe, like, by saving the pig creature, you realize uh, Eugene, the greedy uh, restaurant owner or tavern owner, was doing something bad. And then you guys go stop him from doing something, okay? And maybe there's another encounter there if you want to do it that way. Or you just get him arrested. Could also be a great direction. But there's a lot of ways to resolve the story, and it being a one-shot adventure, you can just wrap it up neatly saying, in the most simplest term, you saved Bob the cook, and you returned back to town to reclaim your rewards, and the adventure is over, and you guys go on to have your epilogue, wherever it may be. And then you let your players decide where they're going on their adventures. So is this how it normally ends uh, during uh, uh, these cons when you're, when you're doing this one, when you're doing the, the hooky episode? Um, well, that's how I resolve the resolution. I make it very basic. Like, we dove into a little bit more with, like, what enemies we'd fight or what is the actual conflict behind the scenes. And maybe the creature hooking the uh, Mr. Bob the Cook is actually someone who's been unjustly abused throughout his time. Okay. Uh, so we did a little bit more in depth here. Usually, by this point, because the con is only, like, 45 minutes for the panel, uh, I rush pretty quickly through construction of the episode and then i go into like a little bit extras on what equipment i use because it's meant to be a bit more well-rounded of a panel to get people interested in being a dungeon master 
and creating their own games. So how similar was this, what we discussed today, differ from yesterday when you proposed the same idea? Okay, so the what I made yesterday was, one, the Spongebob had been hooked and gone missing. Your dear friend, Mr. Krabs, who you've known for quite some time and is also and you're also friends with SpongeBob, asks you to go save him. You remember seeing him at Jellyfish he tells you he saw him at Jellyfish Fields around all these hook creatures, even though he told him not to go there. The players go there, they fight some hook creatures um, to implement combat, or they have a puzzle which is stripping down SpongeBob. And then once you complete that puzzle, you save him and you return back and you get a reward. Um, in each part of it, I also give like tidbits on like how to use loot to more effectively tailor to a one-shot adventure as opposed to a campaign, as essentially not giving it at the end and giving it early on so they can use it. But the overall design of the adventure is pretty much a very what I just said there. It's very basic. All right, so if out of the multiple times you presented this, uh, what has been the most interesting idea that uh, people have kind of made with this topic? Well, to be fair, I've only done it three times, um, and usually when I present it, I don't give a lot of opportunities for people to add into stuff. I think in the future, I will try to make it a little bit more interactive for the audience, so it's not just feels like a lecture at a 101 college class. Oh, God. No, not again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely not again. Right now, uh, no one has added much, and to be fair, it's like an audience at an anime convention, so they're probably not 100% there to listen to a Dungeons & Dragons one-shot design breakdown they're probably just there like oh there's no other panels going on let's go check out this okay but for those of you who did show up i do very much appreciate you it feels pretty bad to talk to an empty room i'll be honest (laughs) well i mean at least i'm here with you in spirit yep thank you thank you andrew so having heard what i've made at the con and also seen what we kind of made here is there anything you would want to see done to this adventure to spice it up for yourself I don't know. I think uh, in regards to a lot of campaigns, I think I like the like the the twists of things. You know, like mm-hmm. plot point twists and stuff. So I always enjoy running into that, especially as a player. But that's just me mm-hmm. and storytelling in general. Oh, for sure. But at the same time, because of that, it's, it can be predictable at, at times because I yeah kind of expect it or I want it to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. You don't want it to be like a black and white villain. You wanted a villain that has maybe a little bit more backstory and a little bit more conflict towards like who the real enemy is. But that's why I was like, maybe Mr. Krabs is the big baddie at the end. Yeah, which really plays into your design, too. It's like, hey, this is the real enemy after all, because that was the first thing you jumped on. And if that's what you yourself as a DM like, definitely implement it into your games. Okay, like your players will most likely enjoy what you enjoy because you're doing something you enjoy. So that's always a great thing. And me now, as a DM hearing this, who may run another game for Andrew in the future, most likely, uh, knows <laughs> that making my enemies have crazy twists is going to be interesting. And then every enemy Andrew runs into, it's like, oh, there's a dramatic plot twist. Oh, no, but this enemy has a plot twist back to the other enemy. And then he's going to go back and forth going, who do I kill? Yeah, no, that, that, would, that would work. Except that's going to make things a lot harder for you. <laughs> Oh, I have a few ideas, but I have to work on it to really flush it out. But hey, um, that's something for our future adventure that we run together. For now, uh, I think we've created a pretty streamlined adventure for all of you listeners out there. Um, You guys have a very basic way to run uh, Hooky, essentially a one shot called Hooky. But you also have like a plot twist variant that Andrew personally prefers with Roadhog and people being eaten whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. don't make me out to be like a cannibal (laughs) well i'm not saying you're a cannibal i just say you like telling stories about cannibalism okay you know the internet goes (laughs) can get very dark at times sometimes you just gotta avoid the dark web yeah that's fair that's fair you're also a pretty big horror buff so that probably also doesn't help no not at all (laughs) as far as any other like finishing tips here for anyone planning to run this adventure if you do want to do a combat variant Maybe your players are really fast. They're just speeding through everything. Like, they don't want to roleplay. They don't want to do any puzzles. But, like, you want to make it, like, a little bit longer and they like combat. You can sprinkle in more chain devils if you want. Or, not chain. You could either sprinkle in more chain devils or you can just have chain enemies that exist throughout that can represent the hooks and they're attacking the enemy. So, then maybe they have two or three more encounters if they want to do a more combat-heavy style one-shot. But on the same variant, if they want to do like a mystery information gathering one, you can let them explore Bikini Bottom. Maybe they 
only know that Mr. Krabs Fry Cook is missing, but they don't know where he went, okay? Now you can go and talk to Sandy or Patrick or Squidward, and these characters can embody the NPCs you use and use them as inspirations for their quirks, their behaviors, and their goals and flaws. Yeah, these are just other tips for like making the campaign you know, last appropriately long for what you're looking for, while also being something modular enough that you can take it away if you're running out of time. And let us know which Overwatch character you want us to talk about next time. Yes, yeah, so you can email us at oneshotatatimecast at gmail.com and let us know who your favorite Overwatch character is and their backstory. I hear they have some pretty good lore, too, honestly. I mean, the animations and stuff like that, especially in the beginning parts of Overwatch, definitely were pretty good. Oh, yeah, it's so clean. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with the Shimada brothers and all that. Oh, yeah. The freaking two dragons attack. Yeah. That was so clean. Brother, I love that one so much. Oh, Genji. Ryuga. I don't know. I don't know his, his oh, call. Oh, don't, don't be racist now, okay? Neither of us are Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> Neither of us are Japanese, but I just said dragon in Japanese at most. Yeah, true. So that's a whole thing. Yeah, I just don't know how to say his like super move because he says it very fast, and then you just die usually when it comes out. Uh, I mean, maybe for bad. <laughs> wow, okay. Andrew just called me out saying I'm bad. Thanks. No, yeah. Great, great, great. Just a bad at shooters. Although at, at my age, I get vertigo and like motion sickness every time I play shooters. So can't help it there. All right. Thank you all for listening to our podcast. And thank you all again for seeing us at TayoCon. We'll definitely be at more cons in Arizona. I'm definitely going to try to be a presenter at Phoenix Fan Fusion. So if I get into that, you'll see that on our Twitter. So definitely follow us on Twitter at one shot at a time. Uh, you can also email us again at one shot at a time cast at gmail.com if you want to submit any prompts or ideas or ask any questions about these episodes that we made. Lastly, uh, we'll probably be trying to attempt Sabotin Con and UUCon this year in 2023. And if you get a chance while you're listening to this episode and you like what you heard, uh, go ahead and leave us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. It really helps us out a lot and really helps the metrics. Other than that, just let your friends know, okay? Word of mouth is the best way to help us out. And honestly, probably the best way to help a podcast grow. So spread the word and maybe you can find, maybe if you don't want to DM, maybe you can convince someone else to do it by listening to this episode, right? Is that your way of telling me to DM? Yes, that is, Andrew. Oh. Freaking DM. Oh, okay. Uh. <laughs> Anyways, that's the rest of our show. Uh, we'll see you guys back here next Tuesday at 6 a.m. Eastern. After our, we finish this season, though, as a quick announcement, we will be switching to a bi-weekly release schedule just so I can, one, uh, give Andrew some breaks because he will be traveling in the near future. And I personally want to have some chances to write up some of these adventures. And editing back-to-back episodes is freaking hard. <laughs> And I look forward to playing them. Yep, he looks forward to playing him. Just always ready to play. Never ready to run. That's Mr. so Andrew. much work. Okay, first off, have you seen my physique? Okay, this is not the <laughs> runner body, okay? <laughs> yeah, it's a wrestler's body. It's it's very much like burst movements. I'm sure you could do I could I'm sure you could pull off a marathon though. Maybe that's your goal. A for marathon? Do, do do a marathon, yeah. I mean five K, okay, that's easy. A marathon? <laughs> It's like All right, 26 heard, miles. All right, you heard it here first. Andrew said he's going to do a 5K this year. We're going to hold him to it, all right? I it's can do easy. that. That's pretty easy. I can do that. All right. <laughs> Anyways, thank you all for listening. See you guys all back next time. Have a great day. All right. Bye. <laughs>